the tears started streaming down my cheeks and I said, Lord, please forgive me. Oh, Jesus, please wash me afresh with your precious blood. Please forgive me. Please cleanse me. Please restore me, Lord. Please do something with my life. And I remember standing up. And I know, I know that we walk by faith as opposed to sight. I know that. I understand that. I know we walk by faith and not by feelings. But I remember standing up and I felt no different. And the old enemy whispered in my ear, I told you, I told you, it's a waste of time. Come back with me. You'll have to live like a monk. There'll be no more drinking. There'll be no more carousing. There'll be no more this. There'll be no more that. You may as well go and join a monastery. What sort of a life have you got ahead of you? And all these thoughts were racing through my mind when suddenly, and I'm not the type of person given to emotion, but suddenly this wave of peace hit me. And I felt whiter than white. And I knew that the Lord was cleansing me. I knew that he was forgiving me. I knew that he was washing me. I knew that he was restoring me. He was doing so many things simultaneously. And I remember the tears just started to flow down my cheeks. I knew that I'd been forgiven. And there'll be some of you in this meeting this morning knowing when I refer to when the power of God, when God comes upon you, when he touches you, when he cleanses you, when he restores you, when he forgives you. And I knew that I'd been forgiven. And I, the, you know, Peter, after praying with me, this lad called Peter, he went up to his bedroom and then I realized, you know, my mother and my father have prayed for me for nearly 20 years. I'm going to have to tell them. And I ran up and I said to, he was in having a shower, and this is around half, three, quarter, four in the morning. And I said, Peter, I'm going to have to go and tell my parents. And he said, Steve, and he said, go for it. And I was driving an old Mark IV Cortina at the time. And I remember jumping into that car, and I'm being completely honest with you. No drink taken, no alcohol, no drugs, no nothing. And I had the window rolled down in the car, and the tears were streaming down my cheeks streaming down my cheeks and I was shouting out of that window thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus I got home to my parents house they don't live too far from me at that time and of course they were fast asleep and they've one of these you know sliding doors that you can't open at night and the bell was on the inside so I said how am I going to wake them up to tell them the news so I decided I'd better throw some stones up at their bedroom window so I started throwing these pebbles up at their bedroom window and they still weren't responding. And I was getting more and more agitated, so I said I'd better throw a few bigger stones. So the stones were getting bigger and bigger and they still weren't waking up. So I said, I can't believe this. I can't tell them. My mother's prayed for 20 years. I just have to drive home and come back and tell them in the morning. But then I said, no, I'll have one more go. And I remember reaching in and I had my car keys in my pocket and I got the car keys and I lobbed them up. And there's a big loud bang and praise God the window didn't break but the keys landed up and stayed up on the windowsill. <laughs> they didn't come down, Wesley. And I remember thinking, I don't believe this. They haven't woken up and now the keys to my car and my house. I even think I had some keys from Mountjoy Prison I'd forgotten to leave in were on the bunch as well. I said, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to walk home and come back in the morning. And here I am, like dicky dicky doubt, with a shirt hanging out. I just had a shirt on, a pair of trousers. So I was just about to walk away, and I said, no, I'll have one more go. I refuse to give up. And I remember bending down in my mother's, father's rose bushes, looking for another pebble or stone. Well, next minute I got this shout that would have woken the dead, if it's possible to waken the dead. Of course it's not. 
And it wasn't a shout of praise God. Those of you who might know my father, many asked me down south in the early days, they said, do you mind me asking you, is he one of Mr. Paisley's men? <laughs> and he's not one of Mr. Paisley's men. But the reason they said that, he looks a bit like him, and he doesn't need a microphone. Like he preached for years in the open airs and the cattle fairs and never heard of microphones. His voice just travels. And heard this almighty shout, and it wasn't praise God. The shout was, clear off! Go away! Before I get the police! And what had happened, I didn't realise, but the night before, my father's car had been burgled. And they'd ripped out his radio and they'd stolen lots of things. He'd been fast asleep in bed beside my mother when he heard this huge bang in the window. He ran over to them and he looked out, but all he saw was this critter rummaging around in the, in the rose bushes. He didn't recognise me from my, you know, from my back, from the back of my head. So I jumped out underneath the, the, the street lamp and I'm going, Dad, it's me, it's me. And he opened the window and he said, Stephen? I said, yes, Dad, Stephen. He said, what's wrong? He said, is he says, have you been involved in a fight? I says, no. He said, are you hurt? I says, no. Is there trouble in the prison, a riot or something? I says, no. What are you doing here at four o'clock in the morning? I says, Dad, I have something to tell you. Come down, come down. And I always remember he came down the stairs and his face was pale. His face was white. He was expecting the worst, he told me afterwards. And I ran up to him. I says, Dad, I'm back. And his mouth just dropped open. He couldn't take it in. I said, Dad, I'm back. The Lord's restored me. And he just kept looking at me, and I got no response from him, so I sort of pushed him out of the way. And I ran in, and I remember my mother coming down the stairs, and she was tying the cord on the side of her dressing gown. And she sat up on the third step, and I ran up to her, and I put my hands on her shoulder. I said, Mom, I have something to tell you. She says, what's that, son? She told me afterwards she already knew. What is it about mothers? I don't know what it is about mothers. God must put something special or an instinct in mothers. She told me once she heard my voice, she said, the Lord spoke into her spirit. Jean, tonight is the night. I promised you 20 years ago. I'd bring him home, and I brought him home tonight. But I grabbed hold of her shoulder. I said, Mum, I said, listen, listen, listen. I said, I know I've broken your heart. I said, I know I've caused you many tears. I said, I know I brought much shame on you particularly when I was a teenager, but I want to tell you something. I said, the Lord forgave me tonight. The Lord's restored me. Mum, will you forgive me? And she stood up and she put her arms around me. She said, Stephen, she said, it's all under the blood. It's under the blood. She said, I knew the Lord. She said, I prayed for 20 years. I refused to give up. She says, others may have given up. She says, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. But I refuse to give up. I refuse to let you go, she says. And every day, she said, for the last 20 years, I'd been waiting for this day, and we hugged, I remember, and I was crying, she was crying. My father eventually came to his senses. He came in, and we were all standing there hugging. And I can remember going home that I stayed, it was dawn, about 7 o'clock in the morning, and I drove back to my house. And again, I've been honest with you, the Lord dealt with this a few weeks later. But I remember going back, and it might seem crazy, but I had a very heavy smoking habit at the time. And I remember sitting there on the step, and I lit this cigarette, and I can remember the tears dripping off my chin. I remember this stain just forming in the concrete. And it nearly sounds blasphemous. And I remember, because I was smoking the cigarette, but I just kept saying, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. The Lord dealt with the old nicotine habit a month or two later, and he, he completely set me free from it. I haven't drank alcohol or smoked since 1989 but I went back into the prison service the following day I was a prison officer at that time 
And of course, you know, I knew I'd have to nail my colours to the mast. There was an ex-criminal uh, went to our church in Crumlin and he'd, or in Dublin, and he'd served many years in prison. In fact, he got saved in a prison cell. And he said, Stephen, you know what it's like. You just go in, he says, all guns blazing. He said, nail your colours to the mast. Don't be beating around the bush. Just tell them what happened to you. And the first lad I met, I used to drink with him, a fellow called Christy Cooney. I always remember it. And I walked in and he was sort of looking at me. You know, he told me afterwards I looked different. And he said, Stephen, he said, do you want to go up to Murphy's? There's this pub. Uh, when you finish at 8 o'clock, I says, no. I says, Christy, you don't. He says, do you want to go to the Cock and Hound? He named another pub. I says, no, Christy, you don't. He named about three or four. He says, Stephen, what's wrong with you? You, you, you look different. I says, Christy, I didn't bother going into the theology about being a backslider. He wouldn't have understood it. I said, I just met Jesus last night. I said, I'm saved. I says, I'm born again. He says, you're choking. I says, no. I says, Christy, I'm serious. They say women talk. Tell you, lads, you want to walk, work in an all-male environment. I went round the prison like wildfire. <coughs> Mawinnie's gone gaga. Mawinnie's a born-again Christian. It'll never last. Ah, we'll give him a few weeks. We'll give him a month. Well, I praise God it lasted. The Lord left me there for another two years in that prison serv- service as a witnessing, practicing, believing, uh, witnessing, uh, Christ-honoring Christian. I had the privilege of leading a prison officer to the Lord. I had the the privilege of getting much Christian literature and tapes and books into many of the inmates, many of them doing long sentences uh, for for violence and for for rape and for many other horrendous crimes. And then the Lord made it very clear to me that he wished me to resign from the prison service, and that was in 1991, and to go to Bible College for three years, and I went to the UK for three years. And when I was in the UK, the Lord made it very clear that he wanted me to come back to reach my own people. Uh, and that is what we're doing now. And I've noticed the time, if it's all right, I won't go into that just this morning, Wesley. Perhaps sometime if you ever have me back and I'm not kicked out for, for heresy or anything like that, uh, we could share with you as to what the Lord is doing. The Lord has given both Margaret and I a tremendous burden and a love. It had to come from him supernaturally. I worked in the prison service for many years And we now run a Christian rehab centre for those with drug and alcohol problems. The main one in Dublin being heroin, followed by cocaine, crack cocaine. Uh, And we now, we can hold up to six men. It's a 12-month Christian programme. We also work amongst the children of Crumlin. Crumlin is a very working-class part of Dublin. Very high rate of domestic violence, crime. Um, You know, the children's club that we had been running, you know, we had up at one stage 40 children, every single one of those kids, all of their parents were either drug addicts or alcoholics, there was never one of those children came from what we would call a normal background, whatever that is, some of these children were HIV positive as a result of the lifestyle that their parents are living, but that is the work that we are doing now, but I'd nearly, you know, need a morning just to go through that with you, but I just want to leave this with you this morning. I don't know anybody here this morning. I've never been here before this morning, but I just want to encourage you. There might possibly be someone here in this meeting this morning. You may have a wayward son. You may have a wayward daughter. You may have someone, perhaps a spouse, whatever the case may be, who once professed faith in the Lord but are now far from him. I want to encourage you to keep persevering in prayer. The enemy would have you give up. The enemy would have you say it's a waste of time. The enemy would have you think that person is too far gone. They're nearly beyond redemption. They'll never be back. It's a lie. It's a lie from the pit. 
You persevere in prayer. Grab hold of the horns of the altar, so to speak. You keep bringing them daily before the throne of grace. And I really believe that in God's appointed time, he'll move upon them. He'll convict them once again of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And he will draw them to, the, to himself. And for you young people, you know, there's many different ages here. You know, the old world can look very exciting out there. Well, take it from me. Believe me, I've tried it all. I've tried it all. There's nothing I say to my shame I haven't tried. I've tried the drink. I've tried the drugs. I've tried the girls. I've tried the discos. I've tried the dances. I've tried the immorality. You know, the old enemy doesn't have you full in the very first time. He drags you in slowly. And I promise you, take my word for it, there's nothing out there. There's nothing out there. It's empty. He'll destroy you. He'll destroy you. He'll drag you down. I want to encourage you this morning to remain with Jesus. Remain with Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Refuse to go down that road. Refuse to go down that path. Refuse to give in to those temptations. Stay close to the Lord. I've been, I have been on both sides of the fence. And I can tell you these have been the happiest years of my life since the Lord restored me. The happiest years of my life. When I look back to all of the sin and the worldly pleasure that I was involved in. It was the pits. It was horrendous compared to what I have now. He's blessed me with a beautiful wife, Margaret. He's blessed me with three beautiful children, Ruth, who's 11, Nathan, who's 9, young Samuel, who's 5. They're sitting here beside their mother this morning. He's blessed me with an amazing wife, a family. He's blessed me with a ministry. He's done so many things for me. The Lord is good. He's good. There's no one to compare with him. The enemy can't compare with him. It's it's not even second league, second division stuff. It's schoolboy stuff. Nothing compares what's going on with the Lord. So I just want to encourage you this morning, no matter what problems you may be facing, no matter what difficulties, we all have trials, we all have difficulties, but often, you know, that de develops faith and perseverance. The Lord allows these, he permits these, sometimes he sends them. You hang in there and you remain close to Jesus and he will bring you through. And I just pray that the Lord will bless you. And once again, thank you for this opportunity, being able just to share a little bit with you. Amen.